We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us will be TJ Inman. We're going to break down IU's win over UConn to move to 3-1 and one, and also preview IU's trip up to East Lansing as they face the Michigan State Spartans who are ranked 25th in the nation for the battle for the old brass platoon. But first, a word from our friends at MyBookie's. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why don't? Uh, why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. When, you're betting, uh, when your betting is just as important as who you're betting on, I wouldn't be telling you guys this, uh, to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with MyBookie. Join now. And my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, C H A I R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So we're looking forward to Indiana's matchup against number 25, Michigan State, on Saturday. It'll be at 3 30 on BTN up in East Lansing. And we'll have all your previews here on uh, Hoosier Huddle. So Indiana's coming off a 38-3 win over UConn to move their their record to 3-1. and 3-1, and halfway to bowl eligibility. They did uh, lose Koi Kronk, it seems, for the season. It was officially announced today. Uh, and uh, some other injury news, Michael Penix should be back uh, or could be back um, as early as this week. It's still a game-time decision, and we'll see uh, what they do there. Uh, so we're waiting on TJ to, to join us, and then we'll get down to breaking down the game against UConn. TJ, welcome into the show. How are you on Monday, on this uh, fabulous fall Monday? Yeah, doing very well. Uh, it's exciting to talk about um, what, what should be a very interesting matchup against Michigan State and to, to recap uh, what turned out to be a dominant performance for Indiana over a, uh, admittedly, a pretty poor UConn team. Yeah, uh, I thought they were much improved, TJ, according to to some people on this podcast. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, uh, there. I, I watched the Illinois game, and you never know with early season games what it, you know, who it says more about. Does it say more about Illinois? Does it say more about UConn? 
But when I watched them against Illinois, they, they did look much better to me. Um, and I will be the first to admit uh, when I'm wrong. And I, I will say I think UConn is better than they were a season ago, but that does not mean that they're remotely good. Uh, that That's a pretty poor football team. Uh, that Indiana did what they should, which is uh, dominate them not exactly from the start, but uh, pretty much, you know, uh, first quarter on, they controlled that game very easily. Yeah, and then you saw, you know, Indiana run uh, lean on that running game in the fourth quarter. I think they ran for uh, 84 yards in the fourth quarter, even without Clay Cronk, who went out early in the first, I think about midway through the first quarter. Uh, with, you know, an ankle injury that's going to cost him the rest of the season, which is unfortunate. Coy yeah. was a, a great player. He's a, one of the heart and souls of this team. Uh, he should have a chance to redshirt, uh, according to the new rule. But, again, it's a senior year. It's a matter of does he want to go through this all over again or does he want to rehab, uh, get the surgery rehab, and and, and take his chances at the next level. So we'll see on that. There was no answer at the press conference today about that. It's just too right. early. You know, this thing happened about 48 hours ago. It's, you know, people, you know, they need to process it and they need to go through surgery, see how surgery is going uh, or went, and then see how long rehab is going to be. And you got to, it's a major life decision whether to go pro or to stay in school for a fifth year. Uh, and it's really an unplanned decision, too. So we'll see. Yep. We wish uh, we wish Coy the best, a speedy recovery. Uh, he's always yeah. great to talk to uh, during during interviews and things like that. But overall, I thought the victory but was a strong a victory. Quick, quick note. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, quick note from me on Coy Cronk. Uh, I thought he showed tremendous leadership. Uh, with the the way that he rallied his team around him, everybody you know came out to um, you know give their well wishes when he was put on the the cart, um, and he was fairly close to where I was sitting. He was very visibly you know picking his teammates up, letting them know you know come on, come on, you got this. But I don't know the exact words he was saying, but uh, very vocal and fired up. Uh, his guys came over to you know to show their concern for him. So um, really good leadership shown there uh, by all accounts, you know, terrific in the locker room. And, and he's been very good on the field and he does project at the next level as a guard, not as a tackle, uh, according to scouting reports. So, uh, you know, there's, I think that there might be a possibility there that if Matthew Bedford steps in uh, and, and performs very well, which, IU was anticipating Bedford was going to be the starting tackle next year. Uh, so if Bedford steps in and does well, you know, maybe, and like you said, this is something that he has to take a lot of time to process and uh, make the best decision for him. Um, but, you know, perhaps he decides that the best decision for him is to uh, to play a season at guard, move inside, and then have Jones and Bedford as IU's tackles with Cronk inside. A lot of variables up there, but for Indiana, uh, for the season, I think it's going to be absolutely critical that Matthew Bedford is is ready to step in uh, and, and provide adequate cover 
at left tackle while Caleb Jones stays at right. Um, it, it places more of an emphasis on Jones performing well, places more of an emphasis on the inside guys picking up the slack and helping Bedford out if he is the guy there, uh, which I think he's going to have to be because I do not think you can count on Devondre Love uh, to give you, you know, top-end tackle uh, quality in the Big Ten against some of the good teams I use going to go up against. So uh, it's going to be a, a definitely a big challenge to see what Darren Hiller and the IU coaches do, uh, not just this week, but moving forward with that offensive line. Uh, now we can go back to UConn, but it's definitely something to watch coming out of that game. Yeah, I thought it was a solid win. Uh, you know, th- anytime you beat somebody by 35 points, uh, it, it's it's a solid win. Peyton Ramsey stepped up, played well again. Um, the, the one pick was odd. Uh, but, you know, overall, he, he filled in nicely. He was overmatched against Ohio State, which is, you know, you know, you know what you're getting with Peyton Ramsey. But yep. he has command of the offense. He's not going to totally – just be overwhelmed uh, by by the moment. But he played well again through three touchdowns. He saw Nick Westbrook get re-involved in the offense, which is great. He saw Stevie Scott come on late. I think he finished with 97 yards rushing. Uh, but you still, you'd like to see the rush uh, run game get some bigger plays. But their goal was to, you know, get three or four yards at a time. I think they ended up averaging about four yards a carry, which is fine. We'll see how they do against Michigan State's defense this week, uh, which could be another rude awakening. But, you know, for a bounce-back game after Ohio State, they played pretty well. It seems like morale is pretty good. Um, You know, the defense came to play. They made the tackles. There weren't as many missed tackles. Yeah, Cam Jones Jones changes the entire dynamic of the defense. My goodness. Um, He – had the pick six. His best tackle was on a play that didn't even count in the stat sheet. He absolutely yeah. destroyed a UConn running back on the read option that led to a Michael Ciemba tackle for loss. Um, and it, I mean, he absolutely ha- obliterated that guy. So having him back and healthy changes the whole dynamic of that defense. I still want to see Marcelino Ball step up. I don't know what's going on with him, but something is off. Um, I think you know he he was up in the press box. I noticed he was kneeling at at the corner of the end zone while the entire team was in the locker room while the the little kids ran out on the field pregame. I, I didn't notice how long he had been standing there or kneeling there, but it had been a few minutes uh, before the game. So I don't know. He needs to get his head back in the game because uh, he yeah. he had a. Yeah. I don't want to say he had a good game against Ball State because he had three 15-yard penalties, but he had a 10-tackle game against Ball State, and then he he has totally dropped off the face of the earth in terms of Indiana football the the next three games. So IU needs him to to get back to where he we know he could play uh, and, and get his head in the game. I do not know what's what's going on with him, but he has been a missing in action, so to speak. Uh, over the last yeah. three weeks, but overall, I, I mean, thought it was a good win. Jamar Johnson, um, Jamar Johnson played more than Ball did, um, and then produced more than Ball did as well on Saturday. Johnson had, uh, I believe, six tackles, um, 
and I, he was noticeable on the field, whereas Marcelino Ball was noticeable by his absence. Um, uh, no, they, any they, type there's of production, been really. Two, so. Yeah, there have been two games where uh, I brought to myself at the end of the game, did, did Marcelino even play? Right. Um, but it, it's that that's a concern for me, but I thought that the defense played well. We'll see what they could do against Michigan State, whose offense kind of awoke in the second half against Northwestern last week. Uh, but they have been, you know, they, they've looked awful at times this year. There's just too much talent on Michigan State's offense for them to be this bad. Uh, but, it, you know, if you look at their numbers, they've been putting up decent numbers uh, as well. But, you know, it, it was a it's still a solid win. It's your third win. It was a game you were supposed to dominate. You dominated. Uh, and now you can move on with the rest of the season and hit as a Big Ten play uh, in Michigan State. TJ, what are your initial thoughts on on Michigan State? They come in off of a win at Northwestern. It propelled them back into the top 25 at 25. Uh, the Big Ten as a whole, I haven't been that impressed with outside of Wisconsin and Ohio State, uh, who are just destroying people. Uh, but the rest of the yep. Big Ten seems uh, very ordinary. Yeah, I think that uh, I think you could throw Iowa in there as being, um, you know, relatively impressive. I mean, they've uh, they've handled their business, um, and then in their matchup game, if you will, at Ohio or at Iowa State, uh, which was a very difficult game for them, and it's always a kind of an ugly contest. But those two, you know, match up very well, and Iowa was able to come out on top. Um, and I think you'd say they're probably right now you'd put them at second in the West. Uh, and then in the, in the East, I, you know, I don't know exactly who you, what order you'd put behind Ohio state, but everybody uh, clearly behind the Buckeyes in, in my opinion. Um, I do want to add on to what you were saying about UConn. Uh, you're right about Cam Jones. I mean, he um, just a unbelievable presence for Indiana, it, it makes such a huge difference to have a healthy Cam Jones out there. He gutted it out against Ohio State and really pushed himself to get back. Uh, he was not healthy, and it, it showed. Uh, it wouldn't have at all made a difference in the outcome, but it definitely helps IU defense to have him out there being able to make plays because we talked about before UConn on our podcast, we talked about Indiana needing playmakers to step up on defense. And Cam Jones is a really good example of a playmaker on defense. Uh, he, he has a nose for the ball, and when he gets around it, he makes things happen. And uh, I think that he is – I think he's Indiana's best linebacker. Uh, I think he might be Indiana's best playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. I thought he has looked really good. And I also want to shout out the young corners. I thought Jalen Williams and uh, Taiwan Mullen have both uh, really performed well so far. Uh, this season, and I think that definitely bodes well for the future for that defense. You just have a sophomore and a freshman there uh, that, that will make quite a good pairing, not just this year, but moving forward. Uh, initial thoughts on Michigan State, uh, definitely a defensive first team, that's to say the least. Um, now, look, they could have a really good offense, and they would still be a defensive first team because their defense – it's either going to be the toughest defense IU sees this year or it's going to be second or third 
Um, you know, Penn State and Ohio State are right there with them. Uh, they are not as athletic as the Ohio State defense, but incredibly sound fundamentally. Uh, they are going to force Indiana's defense or force Indiana's offense to um, move the ball down the field. They're not going to give up big plays, and uh, Indiana's going to have to move down the field with a multiple play drive without mistakes. If you get behind the chains against them, they can flat out overwhelm your offensive line. Uh, the defensive front is really, really good for them, and the secondary, uh, very physical, very good in coverage. Uh, incredibly handsy in coverage, but they seem to get away with it, so props to them for that. Um, Indiana, in my opinion, in this matchup, Ryu to be able to effectively move the ball or have a chance of effectively moving the ball, they're going to have to have Michael Penix play because you mentioned uh, you know what you're getting with Peyton Ramsey, and we know what that looks like against top-notch defenses. Uh, The field just constricts so much. Uh, without the vertical, the threat of vertical passing game, um, I worry that if Peyton Ramsey is the, the quarterback for the Hoosiers, that it will be an incredibly ugly day for offense um, on Indiana's side because Michigan State will put eight guys in the box, and if they've got eight of their guys in the box, you're not moving the ball on the ground at all, and you're not moving the ball through short passing either. Um, because if, if one of the things that you'll see that they typically do incredibly well is tackle well in space. Very, very good tackling in space, which is something you do not see a lot of in college football anymore. Um, they, they do it incredibly well. Uh, on the offensive side, look, you know, Brian Malerke, we didn't really know what we were getting with him this season. Uh, there was a question whether or not, you know, his injuries prevented him from, uh, from having the type of season he would expect or, last year or if it was strictly, you know, maybe he's just not that good and his, uh, his first year as a starter was, was more of a fluke. Um, the evidence so far would suggest that it's more that his first season as a starter was a fluke and that he's not that top-end uh, top quarterback. I think he's an average Big Ten quarterback. Uh, he's capable of making some good throws, but he's going to make some mistakes as well. Uh, I don't think that the offensive play calling trusts him. Um, They're not going to take a lot of risks. Indiana's defense should be able to to have a pretty good day against Michigan State's passing game. Uh, They definitely miss playmakers on that side of the ball. Daryl Stewart's probably their best receiver, uh, but I've been a bit underwhelmed with him. Uh, Running-wise, they have a pair of running backs that are – you know, decent. Uh, I think the Collins, I believe it's Elijah Collins or Eli Collins, uh, I think is, is the guy that they are rolling with is their first running back. Uh, he's kind of displaced Connor Hayward as the guy. Um, you know, I think Hayward's okay. I think Collins provides a bit more burst than Hayward does. Uh, neither of them are particularly versatile. They're not going to really kill you catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, but they, they can pick up some, some decent yardage between tackles, pick up, you know, four or five yards of carry. Much like Stevie Scott, uh, you're not going to see a lot of chunk plays with those guys, or at least you shouldn't if you're making your tackles. Uh, they do not use the tight end near as much as you would anticipate they do, but their type of uh, their type of offense, 
that the issue that they've had for the past few years has been the offensive line. Um, you know, after a, a number of years with guys like Allen and Conklin, they haven't really replaced them with that level of talent. Uh, they thought that they had the way that they're recruiting, but just had them panned out that way. They do have a couple of offensive line injuries as well. That uh, is making it difficult for them to have a consistent offensive line lineup out there. And it, it's really hindered their offense from doing much. Now, they look decent against Northwestern, but I, I think that that might have more to do with the Wildcats than it does the Spartans. Uh, their game against uh, Arizona State was really brutal uh, to watch, and they, I mean, their defense had to feel sick about losing that one because they played a great game and still came up short against the Sun Devils. So uh, it, it's very much the Michigan State we thought we were going to get in that their offense still isn't very good. Their defense still is elite. The question for them is going to be can their defense do enough to keep them in games against everybody. I think that that is probably going to be the case, except for against Ohio State. Uh, They do not have the firepower to hang with them, and their defense won't be able to make up for it. But I think if Indiana doesn't have Penix and that vertical passing threat, then I think it'll be a very long afternoon. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Um, And we'll see uh, what – goes on with Michael Penix. It seems like there's a little bit more information released today uh, from Tom Allen's press conference. Uh, He said, he said, uh, you know, Michael's been rehabbing. That's continued to go well, and we'll find out more here throughout the week and then make a decision for that position on game day. Uh, Later in the press conference, he came out, uh, he didn't want to get into specifics. He says, uh, so I could say with confidence that he's progressing and I'm trusting in our medical staff for their analysis and evaluation. They do a tremendous job. So I believe in them and trust them. So yeah, we're making progress. So we just got to keep doing uh, what we're doing and we'll see how, um, when we'll be ready to come back, but definitely making progress. Somebody asked, whether or not there's a temptation to give him a rest uh, with the open week coming up after this week. And Alan just said, only if he's not ready to me, I'm not going to put him out there if he's not ready. And so because of having a buy afterwards, there's no doubt um, it'll be an extended period of time. I think he did mention that he was practicing again, you know, which is a you know yeah. pretty good sign, I think. Um and things like that. So we'll see. It'll be a game time decision. Uh, I'll be out in Vegas. Maybe they'll have a line on it and, and things like that. So, but it's a uh, it's one of those things where you hope nobody leaks the information, uh, and it might, you know, give IU a little bit of advantage. Uh, you know, Michigan State's going to prepare for both guys. Now they they're very familiar playing against Ramsey. Uh, this will be, I think, their third game against Peyton Ramsey uh, overall. The same defensive staff and things like that, so they'll be uh, they'll be ready to go for him with Michael Penix. You probably got to study him up a little bit more. But as, as far as Michigan State goes, it, it's a I don't want to say it's a 
it's a game that IU, I mean, they could win. It could happen. Anything could happen. Uh, but it's a game, much like Ohio State, a loss is not going to kill your season. Uh, and it shouldn't kill your season. Uh, and as long as you get out of it relatively healthy now, your margin for error on injury on the line is gone. Uh, yep. You hope that if Penix does play, he could get out of it healthy. Then you could go into your open week, get ready for two big weeks against Rutgers and Maryland uh, before heading out to Nebraska and Northwestern. It's a very big four games after this open week uh, for IU coming out. So much like Ohio State, a loss here really, as long as there's no catastrophic injuries, really doesn't mean that much in the big picture of things as far as getting to six. A win would, I'm not even using uh, the term program building or program changing. Michigan State is a fringe top 25 team. Uh, They're only in there because they're coming off a win uh, against Northwestern. And I think the bottom half of the, or the bottom quarter of the top 25 uh, didn't do too well last week. So it's real. It'd be a nice win. It'd be nice to get the spittoon back. Uh, It's a skin that Tom Allen, that, that Hoosier nation has been holding over his head for the last three years. Uh, they can't. They've only beaten Rutgers in Illinois and Maryland. Um, so this would be a new team and 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 a brand name that they could do. But I I don't think this is one that changes the trajectory of this program. It, it's a game that um, I don't think they've won up there since 2001 and things like that. So you check off a lot of boxes, but it's not a program changing or program building win. It's a nice win. You get a trophy back that you could parade around the alumni. It puts you ahead of schedule in terms of getting to, to a bowl game. Uh, exactly. So what I mean by that, what I mean by that is that this, if you go game by game through the year, most people probably had IU coming out of this at three and two going into that, um, Open week at three and two. You think they get Rutgers before and two heading into Maryland, and and that's where you need to be. They get this; they're ahead of schedule by a game. Uh, their margin for error increases uh, by a lot, and you know it, it's a uh, it's something that people will be talking about heading into the open week. But other than that, it's not you know tear down the goalposts or rush the field type of material. If this is a home game, it's a, a fringe top twenty-five team. It's, I mean, if you want to, say, the program's not even at that point yet where these these are the games you should win. But it'd be a nice win, but not a program-building win. Uh, going on that, I want to see the defense play well. I, I just, I want to see this team play well in a big spot and not to overcomplicate things and, and not to get overwhelmed by, by the, the, the size of the moment, even though the moment is size of it's really not as big as some of these moments in the past have been. But anytime IU has played, you know, a ranked opponent in the last couple of years, they haven't really started out well. And you saw it against Ohio state. Um, they, they got dominated early. Uh, even though Ohio state missed that field goal, they marched right down the field. Then you had, you know, Michigan State last year, 
Ramsey throws a pick, and all of a sudden, five, six minutes into the game, it's set at 14 nothing. Iowa last year, same thing. All of a sudden, it's 14 nothing, and your head's spinning and going, what the heck just happened? So I just got to avoid that in order to be competitive. If they could get out of the – they could get out of the first five minutes of the game and the last five minutes of the halves. You should be okay. And if you put any doubt into Michigan State's head, I don't know if this Michigan State team's that mentally strong. Uh, yeah, but a lot of stuff with D'Antonio and these sexual assault cases going on. Uh, you have the, uh-oh, here we go again mentality with Michigan State fans. Uh, it, it, if this goes a lot like the game did two years ago up there, it's going to be a – IU has a shot, and especially with Michael Penix. If IU's up 6-3 and and has a chance to put it in for, you know, for the win late in the game, you know, Michigan State fans are – they're not the rowdiest bunch if their team's hitting the deck. Uh, but if they if they come out and, and, and get a lead on the Hoosiers, it, they'll be into it. So a, a lot of it is, you know, the mental game. How mentally tough are you? Can you can you humble yourself a little bit as IU? And, and I think Ohio State did that to them. And that was probably one of the best things that Ohio State did. IU came in flying high off of a shutout, off of the biggest win in Memorial Stadium history. And Ohio State just – planted them in the ground, and maybe that woke them up to, hey, we're not as good as we think we are, and refocused them a little bit. So hopefully that's the thing. What are, what are your keys to, to victory, TJ? I think getting off to a good start is absolutely critical. You cannot fall behind against this Michigan State team that plays into exactly what their strength is. Uh, so you, you absolutely have to get off to a good start. Um, for me, I think the obvious one is I use offensive line against Michigan State's defensive front. Uh, that applies to the running game. It applies to the passing game. Um, but I, so I'll go a little bit off the beaten path. I'm going to go with Indiana's receivers against Michigan State's corners. Um, I use receivers are going to have to make some competitive catches particularly if Michael Penix is there and I use trying to stretch the field, they're going to have to make competitive catches because you're not going to get a lot of opportunities against Michigan State and you cannot lose the ones that you do get. If a play is there to be made, the receivers have got to come down with it. Um, I, I think the Wap Dillier is having a pretty nice season so far when he's been asked to make plays. Uh, he's shown some real toughness and physicality uh, running with the ball. Um, I think Peyton Hendershot has had a really good season so far. Uh, this is the type of game where guys like Donovan Hale and Nick Westbrook, uh, they've got to step up when the play is there to be made. They've got to come down with it. If you don't, you likely won't get a second chance against these Spartans. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. So, TJ, I'm going to go. Um, my key of the game is starting off well as well. And then, you know, take advantage of – opportunities. Uh, IU should get some opportunities, especially if Penix plays. you got to take advantage of those red zone opportunities. They did that against UConn yeah. last week. Uh, and you got to score touchdowns. Field goals are not going to be – Indiana's defense is not the shutdown defense that Michigan State has. Indiana's going to have to score touchdowns to win this game. They can't settle for 
they can't settle for field goals like they did a couple years ago and think a 9-3 lead is okay because you know as soon as Michigan State makes a play, we saw the flags fly uh, in favor of them, give them that thing. The dam just breaks in terms of that. Uh, And so, you know, you get up a couple scores, then the referees shouldn't even matter. If you're up 17-6 or whatever it would have been, um, 13-3, you know, then who, you know, they go down, they have to score twice instead of once. So, you know, a a pass, a bogus pass interference call, a bogus holding call or a missed holding call really doesn't hurt you in terms of that. You have a little bit more margin for error. So take advantage of your red zone opportunities, score touchdowns. If you need to kick a field goal to go up two scores, kick a field goal to go up two scores. Uh, but you got to be uh, smartly aggressive, and yeah. we'll, we'll see. A, a lot of it is going to depend on who's playing quarterback for IU, and do you get a little bit more conservative with with Peyton Ramsey, or do you try do you try and, and empty the bag here if you're in it in the second half, and it's there for the taking? And this is something that Mike the board didn't really do. Do you, do you have something in the bag that you open up and say, hey, you know what, now's the time to use it uh, because we won't get another chance at this. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Missed opportunities have haunted IU in the past in this game. You saw it last year. They, I think it was um, Reese Taylor was overthrown on a, on a wheel route two years ago. It was Jason Harris was overthrown on a wheel route where if they hit those two yeah. plays – Man, it's a whole different story, uh, and IU probably at least wins one of those games if if you hit one of those passes. So we'll see. You know, it, it's kind of lazy if I, if I go key to the game as Michael Penix as hell, but it, it very might well come down to that. So we'll see. Uh, predictions, TJ. Well, I I I do think that Michigan State. Uh, it's an extremely flawed team. However, they have one elite unit, uh, which is something that IU has not proven to have. Uh, so I, I, I will take, you know, in games that I think are fairly even, uh, you kind of lean to the home team and you lean to uh, the program that is used to winning and you lean to the, the team that has the best unit. Uh, so that's going to be Michigan State. I think that the Spartans get this one done. Um I am going under the assumption until I see Peyton Ramsey, uh, or I, until I see Michael Penix playing as the starter, uh, I'm going under the assumption with absolutely no information other than what Tom Allen has said publicly that uh, Peyton Ramsey is going to be the starter for Indiana uh, until I see otherwise. So with Ramsey as the starter, uh, I go with Michigan State winning this game um, in kind of a ugly fashion, if you will, uh, 20 to seven, Michigan State. I think that things dramatically change if Michael Penix does play. Uh, if Penix plays and is healthy, I think Indiana definitely has a shot. I think they put up 17, and Michigan State with the 23-17. Uh, but I'll go with Michigan State to get this one done. But I think IU will uh, will perform admirably and show much better than they did against the Buckeyes. Yeah, and, and to go back to Keys, TJ. I'm, Special teams is going to be huge. 
Uh, it's all those yeah. hidden yardage. Yeah. You saw David Ellis is becoming a weapon on kickoff return. Can you get a nice kickoff return to set up your offense and things like that? And can Wapfillier finally break through on a punt return? Do you see Reese Taylor getting into the mix and things like that? So the, all those hidden yards are going to come into play as well. So I'm, I'm sorry I forgot that on, on uh, my keys to the game. But my prediction, I'm going to take – Michigan State 24, Indiana 14 uh, right now. Michigan State's defense is just a little too much for the Hoosiers, especially without Coy Cronk. You're breaking in a new, um, you know, a new tackle, Matthew Bedford, or you roll with Devondre Love there uh, as well. So it's just the talent drop-off and experience drop-off is steep. When it comes to uh, Coy Cronk being out, the run game needs to do something this week. The pass that I use receivers who we've hyped up all year need to start making those competitive catches, uh, as you said, TJ. But, you know, regardless of quarterback, I think Indiana is in trouble in this one. Unless Michael Penix comes out and puts on a show, uh, I'm going to go – Michigan State 24, Indiana 14. They just – they need to – they don't have the firepower on offense to negate the firepower that Michigan State has on defense. They're going to need some takeaways. Uh, they're going to need a bigger player, too, on special teams. And they're need, going to need to not hand Michigan State points as they've done in the past. So, uh, final thoughts on the game? I think everything you said is accurate. Um, primarily for me, I, I do just want Indiana per, to perform better. Uh, get some confidence, win or lose, get confidence going into the open week uh, so that you feel good about yourself heading into a gigantic, uh, I think a season-defining four-game stretch uh, that really does feature four games that, that are winnable uh, given what we've seen from those teams so far this season. Um, I, I am looking forward to Saturday. I think it's going to be very interesting. It's a winnable game, but one IU is going to have to play incredibly well to come out on top. I agree with you. It's, it's something, you know, don't – if they lose, don't let this loss define your season. Uh, if you win, build on that momentum. Take it into the open week. Go take two in a row uh, against Rutgers uh, at homecoming and move on, then you have a shot at maybe putting together a three-game winning streak. Uh, but don't put the cart before the horse either. Right. So it's a big game. It's uh, a ranked another ranked opponent that IU will be facing, even though they're at uh, 25 in the AP poll and receiving votes uh, in the coaches' poll. It's a big opportunity. Game is at 3.30. It'll be televised on Big Ten Network. Uh, you can follow everything uh, along on Twitter with us at Hoosier underscore huddle. Keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your news leading up to the old brass platoon game. TJ, thanks for joining us. That does it for today's podcast. Enjoy this, I, I want to say, cool, nice uh, fall weather we're having today. Yeah, this is darn near perfect here. Uh, hopefully this stays this way for a while. Very nice. And everybody have a good week. All right. That does it for tonight's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, remember, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle and visit early and often at HoosierHuddle.com. 
and thank you for listening. I'm Sammy Jacobs. That was TJ Inman. Enjoy the rest of your evening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 